Hi, I'm Dominic Insinius, leader of The Heart. I want to welcome you to The Heart Podcast. Thank you for letting us be a small part in your journey of faith. I hope this message today encourages you and strengthens you. Big things can happen when we expect God to move, so I pray today that God would speak to you through this message. All right, welcome, 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 y'all. I'm glad you made it today. Uh, We are in our message series called Versus. And what we've been doing over the past couple of weeks is digging into the idea of what we bring to religion and spirituality. Right, so we've been talking about when we say versus, what we mean is religion versus spirituality. There's a lot of times the way we think, the way we process, is we have a this or that mentality. And so when we come to religion and spirituality, do we have that same kind of mentality that we bring? So our first week we kind of talked about that is what, what bias do we bring or what, what baggage do we bring or what do we bring to those words, to those ideas? And then last week we talked a little bit about what am I supposed to do? What should you do? What are you, what are you supposed to do when it comes to religion? And we looked about how, how Jesus kind of addresses that and what, uh, and what he had to say to the woman at the well. So if you didn't see that, you can catch it on YouTube or, uh, or the podcast. So make sure you look at that. But today, what I want to talk about, what I want to dig into, is what it's like to interact with others in our faith. So for the past couple of weeks, what we have focused on is when it comes to faith, or when it comes to religion and spirituality, we've kind of looked at those in a vacuum. And by that I mean we've looked at those and just how it exists in our life. But as we all know, life, religion, spirituality, faith does not exist just on our own. Even if we'd like to avoid people, some of the introverts in here, I'm sure you like to avoid people. Even as much as you want to avoid people, we can't do it all the time. So how, how do we interact with others when it comes to our faith? When it comes to religion, when it comes to spirituality. And so it made me think of this story. So I was, uh, I was thinking about this and Early on in our marriage, my wife Amber and I, we've been married for coming up on 17 years. Uh, there's an uh, Amazon wish list for our gifts. So you guys can get us some gifts if you want. Uh, we've been married for almost 17 years, and early on in our marriage, I have always been, I talked last week about how I'm very much a rules person. Like if I'm playing board games, I'm the one that gets out the rules, and I, uh, you know, I remind everybody the rules as we're playing. Um, so I'm very much like a rules person. Like in our house, I uh, work out the budget, and I make sure that we follow the budget, or to the best of my ability, I make sure that we follow uh, the budget. Uh, I'm sure some of you out there are the budget people, and some of you out there are what Dave Ramsey calls free spirits or enemies of the budget, we say. Uh, so anyway, early on, that was kind of my role, is to like, you know, create the budget and do that kind of thing. And um, what, uh, what I noticed is that sometimes Amber um, doesn't care about the budget as much as I do. And that's not a bad thing. She's not wrong. So you people that don't worry about the budget, that's not a problem you have. Uh, but she was not as worried about the budget as I was. And it would cause me to get a little bit stressed, a little bit tension, and I don't... Uh, especially back then, still maybe not a little bit, but I didn't always handle that tension well. Uh, I, uh, it would cause, you know, arguments or frustration or just stress on my end. And I remember we were, we were taking a walk, and I was, like, I was like, can't you just tell me, can't you just tell me, Amber is uh, my wife's name, I said, can't you just tell me, Amber, how much money you need a month 
to buy whatever you want and I'll just give that to you so we don't have to talk about budgets ever. And uh, I remember, this is like a, a vivid conversation in my head. This was almost 13, 14 years ago. Uh, I was like, just tell me how much you need. Is it 200 a month? Is it 500 a month? Whatever it is, I'll just give that to you and let me worry about the budget. And I remember her saying, that's not how this works. We need to talk through these things. And I was like, that just seems like a lot of work. If you can just tell me how much you need, then we don't have to have these interactions. We don't have to have these arguments. We don't have to have these fights. And I, I'm not saying that you should fight with, you know, with your spouse or you should have a fight with somebody. But what it, the reason I still think about that today is it was absolutely those difficult conversations that helped us to get to a place where we were able to talk about budget without me <laughs> melting down into a, a pool of stress. It was absolutely those difficult conversations that we needed to have and it's not just in budgeting and finance that Amber and I don't think the same. In fact, uh, that's kind of what I want to talk to you all about today. I want you to be thinking about is who do you have around you that thinks the same as you? Because it's very, very comfortable to be around people who think like us, right? It's very, very comfortable to be around people who think like us, who act like us, who like the same things that we like. If you, you know, just for a second, take a look at your best friend or think about your best friend, I bet you have a lot in common. There's nothing wrong with that. But as we've been doing for the last couple of weeks, I'm not talking about the thing, where, that, that part of it where you, are, you, you like to be around people who like the same things as you. I'm talking about these two extremes that we deal with or we face when it comes to religion and spirituality. So what if this idea of I like to be around people who are like me, what if that gets a little bit too unhealthy and now you isolate yourself, or not isolate yourself, well, isolate yourself with people who only think like you. And when we think about religion, that's sometimes what religion can do is divides us into this group and those groups. Right? When it comes to religion or the unhealthy side of religion, we're over here and we say, this is the people that I can associate with, the people that I can be around, the people that I choose to be with, because these people have the same values that I have. These people agree with the things that I agree with. And anyone who thinks outside of that, and, and maybe you grew up in this type of home or this type of religion or maybe the church you grew up in, maybe it's kind of like this where if we try to explore anything else outside of we believe, what we believe, it's, it's almost marked as a betrayal, right? If we, if we associate with someone who maybe isn't the same religion as us, doesn't think the same way as us, doesn't worship God the same way as us, if we associate with them, it can be seen as a betrayal, that's on the unhealthiest side of religion. Again, when we're talking about this, you know, and we go through this series of verses, when I say religion and spirituality, I'm talking about the far spectrum, the unhealthiest side of it. And so sometimes that's what religion can do to us is divide us. Religion in its unhealthiest form divides us from everyone else who isn't us. But over here, if we're on the unhealthy side of spirituality, what we can do is we can isolate ourselves. Because now, instead of, instead of dividing us and, and, we, and we don't allow anything that isn't like us, now we're just open to anything and everything. And that can be unhealthy as well. It may be as unhealthy as dividing us because now we're open to anything and everything and we're influenced by everything. So how do we know where we really stand? So what I want for you 
What I'm going to be challenging you with today is to have boundaries, healthy boundaries. Now, before, this isn't, you know, I'm not about to um, give you a therapy lesson here or anything. You're not in therapy. So when I say boundaries, don't, don't think I'm going to give you therapy. But here's what I mean. Actually, you know what? Before I tell you what I mean, I want you to be thinking about that. And I want to look at the book of Luke. So today we're going to look in Luke chapter 10. And it's, uh, it's, a few, it's a few verses, but it's part of a story that I want, uh, I want you to, to hear and understand. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, the book of Luke is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where we get to hear about some of the things that Jesus did and, and listen to some of the teachings that Jesus taught to the people that would follow him. And in this particular story, sometimes people would follow Jesus that were not necessarily his disciples, but people who were looking to catch him in a lie or catch him in doing something that was against the law. Because it was pretty scandalous what Jesus was doing at the time, the ways that he was teaching. He was not in line with the law at the time in a lot of different ways, and people were looking to catch him doing that because he was, he was causing a ruckus, a stirring, if you will. And so sometimes people, religious leaders, uh, uh, scholars, people who knew the law, they would follow Jesus around sometimes and try to catch him or trip him up and ask him things so that we could it would catch him in a wrong answer so they could finally disprove him, finally discredit him. And it's one of those particular stories that I want to look at with you here today. This is uh, the book of Luke, chapter 10. And w- what we usually do is we talk through the meat of the story. But what I want to do for today is we're going to look at the very beginning of the story that prompts what happens from then on. So this is Luke, chapter 10. And we're going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. And I'm going to start in verse 25. So it says this. Just then, a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrines. That's what people would always try to always try to test Jesus. Not test in the way that you guys want people to test you. He posed this question, teacher, what, we, what, <laughs> what requirement, you try saying it, must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? So this is something that, that sometimes the leaders would prompt Jesus with. Try to see how he would answer it, if how he answered it was the right way to say it, the wrong way to say it. He said, teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? And Jesus replied, what does Moses teach us? What do you read in the law? Right? So Jesus always, instead of just giving a straight answer of what you should do, kind of prompts it back to him. Well, what do you read in the law? How do you understand it? Right? The religious scholar answered, it states you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and every thought, and you must love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. And Jesus said, nicely done. He said, that's correct. Now go and do exactly that, and you will live. Now watch this. Wanting to justify himself, he, the religious leader, questioned Jesus further, saying, what do you mean by my neighbor? Or other translations say it as, well, then who is my neighbor? We talked last week about this idea of this malicious compliance, right, of like, I will do exactly that, exactly what you said. And I, I, I hate to admit it, but I feel like a lot of times, the way that I think, I like to justify myself the way this guy is trying to in this story, where, okay, I will love my neighbor if that's what I'm supposed to do, but I need you to describe to me in detail, in specific detail, who is my neighbor, 
I need to know who my neighbor is so I know who I need to be around, right? I need to know who my neighbor is so I know who to care about. I want to know specifically. That's kind of, we touched a little bit on this last week when we talked about this idea uh, of, uh, of Jesus kind of changing the game. And it's not this or that. It's not where you are, but where your heart is. And we see that theme come up again in this. Because if you don't know the story, I highly encourage you to go read it in the, in the, in the book of Luke chapter 10. Because what Jesus does is he goes on to tell a story about a man who was injured on the side of the road. And the story goes, is this man is injured on the side of the road, and someone passes him who happens to be a religious leader. And then another person passes him who happens to be a Levite. And if you don't know a Levite, they are part of a, a, a religious circle as well. And then finally, the last person to pass this man who was beaten on the side of the road was a Samaritan. And if you don't know the history, uh, there's been a ton of great messages done by people too. And we talked about it uh, years ago, but uh, you can look this up as well. There was a dark history between Samaritans and the Jewish people. There was some racial tension there. So Jesus is telling this story in this way on purpose. And in this story, the, one, the, the person that you would not expect to help this, this person who was beaten on the side of the road is the person who did help them. And at the end of the story, Jesus says, which one do you think was that person's neighbor? And of course, the man answers, the one who helped him, the one who showed him mercy. And so what does this have to do with the boundaries in your life? What does this have to do with the boundaries that you set? Because this person asking, who is my neighbor? If we're on the very far, the unhealthy religion side, we know exactly who our neighbor is. It's the person who thinks like us. It's the person who agrees with us. It's the person who goes to our church. It's the person who holds the exact same values that we hold. That is our neighbor. But over here, on the, un on the unhealthy side of spirituality, if you were to ask this person, I'm over here and I'm, I'm on the unhealthy side of spirituality, if you were to ask me who is my neighbor, I would say absolutely everyone. And both of these taken to their extreme can be unhealthy. Because what I want for you, and we've been saying this, you know, I, I gave you a spoiler alert last week, and I'll give you a spoiler alert again. When we talk about religion versus spirituality, that's just the two extremes that are versus each other. Where the juice is, where the, where the real life is, where our faith grows, is in the gray, the mess, in the middle of it. Here, I wrote this down. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. When we hide behind religion, we miss our chance to connect with others. Here's what I mean by that. If we're on this unhealthy, dangerous side of religion, and we're hiding behind this, and we say, we can, I can only integrate, I can only be a part of communities that think like me, that do the same things as me, then we miss out on connection with the people that are in our community. Because maybe someone doesn't think the same way that you do when it comes to religion, but their kids go to the same schools that your kids go to. They're signed up in the same sports that your kids are signed up in. You work with some of these people out in your community. But if we have these walls up, if we have the walls of religion blocking what it means to connect with others, then we miss the chance of connecting with others that maybe God has put in our life for a purpose, for a reason. 
But we'll never know, we'll never know if we just have the walls of religion up around us. No one can get past those. No one can get in and nothing's getting out. The walls of religion are built through fear and guilt and they are high and they are strong. And I'm talking, again, I'm talking about on the, on the far unhealthy side of religion. Okay, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down too. If we only surround ourselves with people that think like us, we deny ourselves a chance to grow our faith. Our faith grows in the doubt. Our faith, this is my opinion, our faith grows in the doubt. It grows in the mess. I would argue that the only space, the only space you have to grow your faith is if there's doubt. Because if your faith is up to the ceiling and there's nothing, then how can your faith continue to grow? Doubt is the catalyst for growing your faith. So if we only surround ourselves with people who think exactly like us, then we deny ourselves a chance to grow our faith. There's a, there's a running conversation I have with a group of friends of mine that we might lose friendships over this, and it has to do with who is the best basketball player to have ever played the game. And I don't want to know what you think. Don't shout it out, even though I can't hear you. And I'm not going to tell you who I think it is either. That's not the point. The point is I have people around me who don't agree with me on this point. And that's sometimes okay. Sometimes it's hurtful. Sometimes we hurt each other's feelings. That's okay. I can't appreciate the greatness of all these other players if I'm only surrounding myself with people who think the same thing that I think. Now, maybe you think sports is silly, and maybe you think basketball is silly, and maybe you think that conversation is silly, but that's exactly my point. Is whether it's basketball or it's our faith, if we only surround ourselves with people who think like us, then we deny ourselves a chance to grow our faith. Last thing I wrote down that I want you to see is this. We have the best chance to expand our faith when we make room for others in our life. That's the best chance we have for expanding our faith when we make room for others. Because, like I said over here, if we have the walls of religion up around us, then we're not making room for others. We're not making room in our life for others to come in, and we're not making space for us to interact with them if we have the walls of religion around us. But if we're over here, and there's no walls... Anyone can say whatever they want. Anyone can influence, uh, influence us any way that they want. That can be just as dangerous. So what I want for you, what I'm hoping for you, and I'm hoping this for myself as well, is that we can be people who have these boundaries, these boundaries that we control I'm not saying that you need to let me determine your boundaries or you need to let some other, some other religious leader determine your boundaries. I mean, I want you to determine your boundaries. I want you to be able to have the guidelines of religion. So we talked about last week having the guidelines, the guide of religion. 
having, be, uh, taking, taking serious your morals, your values. You know, if someone wants, if someone else's religion, some, someone else's way of thinking, with the boundaries in your life, you can let that influence in. You can understand someone's position more. If you have boundaries, healthy boundaries, but if you don't, if we don't have healthy boundaries, then we're either putting walls up around us so no one, no one ever can tell us anything different from how we already think, or we're just caught in the wind, believing in whatever the next thing is, whatever the next guru says. Maybe you know some people like that in your life who are like, hey, I just read this book. This is the new way I'm thinking. I just heard the speaker say this. This is the new way that I'm thinking. And you might think of that person and say, man, it's, it's great that you're keeping your mind open, but when are you ever going to decide what you believe? When are you ever going to when are, when are decide what your faith is? That's the work, right? That's the difficult. That's where it takes intention is when we, need, when we decide what is my faith going to be. That's where you need the boundaries. That's where, in my opinion, that's where I'm, I'm suggesting maybe that's what the boundaries can help you because if you're over here on this dangerous side of religion, then you're not deciding what your faith is. Your religion is deciding what your faith is. Your religion is telling you the steps that you need to take in your faith. Your religion is telling you whether you're doing faith wrong or right. And if we're over here on this side, we don't even know what our faith is because whatever the next thing is, that's a new thing. I like that. Okay, let's bring it in. That's a new thing. I like that. Let's bring it in. Both of those parts are easy to do. That's what's so funny about this versus idea uh, of this dangerous part religion and this dangerous part of spirituality. That's what's, so, that's what's so juicy about it is the versus side, they're both easier to do than this hard work in the middle. Just being told what you're supposed to believe and when to do it and, and when to do whatever it is, that's easy. Being over here and letting everything in, that's easy. The work is deciding in the middle, in the mess, in the gray. That's where the work is, and that's what I want to invite you to do. That's where I want to invite you to put in the work. Is these boundaries that say, my faith is strong enough to handle these outside ideas. My faith is strong enough to be around people who don't think like me without shaking the foundation of my faith. But over here, you can say my faith is also strong enough to where new ideas, I get to decide if they are helpful for my faith or harmful for my faith. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for your faith. I want your faith to grow. So it seems a little counterintuitive to say this, but I want doubts to come up in your life. Now, the walls of religion will never allow for doubt. The walls up around you in religion won't make room for doubt. There is no room for doubt. But what I'm saying is I want your faith to grow, and I believe your faith grows when there is doubt. Is there a level of healthy doubt? I think so. I think there is. And that's okay if you disagree with me. I still want to be around you even though you disagree with me. That's how much I want to live this out. What I want for you is healthy doubt. 
I want God to be able to challenge your faith. I want God to be able to challenge where you are, where your heart is. Because otherwise we'll, otherwise we'll get caught like this, the man in this story here. Caught trying to justify what exactly do I need to do. You know, now, Amber and I, like I said, we're going to be married almost 17 years. Now we can have a conversation about money without me being <laughs> stressed out because of the budget. If I feel like we've been spending a little bit more than I want to, now I can say, hey, babe, I think we need to get control of our spending again. We're better at, we're better at money than this. And that is now an easy conversation. And it's not an easy conversation because 14 years ago I told her, just tell me exactly how much you need and finally we'll be happy together. It's an easy conversation because we put in the work to have those conversations over the past 14 years since then. But that wouldn't have happened if I was stuck with my walls around me and saying, no, this is the budget. This is how we succeed financially. My way goes. I don't know, and I don't know if she's, she's probably not watching this anyway, but uh, if I don't know, she would probably say, I don't know if it would have worked the other way as well of we'll just keep swiping that car until it comes up declined. <laughs> it takes both of those perspectives, and that's the same thing I want for your faith. Is your faith can grow when you're open to the people around you but it depends on where your heart is. It depends on where your healthy boundaries are. If you could, I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Even though I can't see you, I want you to close for, uh, your eyes for a moment and bow your heads, and I want to I wanna pray for us today. God, we're so grateful to have you as our God, that you have made space for us to grow our faith. God, I pray for for our week, that we would have healthy doubt, that we would see the space we have to grow. I pray that we wouldn't put walls around us that, that keep us from connecting with those around us. But I also pray for our faith to be strong enough to know the difference, that you would make our faith clear to us, that you would grow our faith with us. So we love you, God. We thank you for that, and we pray that in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Heart Podcast. At The Heart, we like to say you don't have to go to church here to go to church here. That means you are already part of the community just by listening to the message today. If today's message connected with you, we want to invite you to share it with someone who may benefit from it. We would love to be a part of your journey of faith. Please visit us online at www.theheart.church forward slash next to see what your next step may be. And if you live near San Marcos, Texas, we would like to invite you to visit us in person this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Remember to be bold this week and connect with those around you. It's how your relationships grow and how your faith grows. Mm -hmm.